Hey guys, welcome to the Change Up Podcast. Josh and Chad here. This is where we talk about culturally relevant topics, but we look at them through an honest gospel worldview. Let's get it. Let's get right into it because it's late. <laughs> so here's my question for you. It's not that late. It's 1020 at night. It's bedtime. Not for some of us. <laughs> I just created my whole monthly schedule. 1030 is bedtime every night. Well, you've already. How much do you sleep? Six hours, eight hours, seven hours? I don't know. You I don't always wake know? up before seven for sure. If I'm out really late, I'm saying if I'm out really late, like the latest, I still wake up at seven. Normally, I wake up 5.30 or 6. Hmm. But you don't even, know how many hours if, you sleep a well, night. Even if I go, a lot of times, all right. So I noticed you, as I got older, I went this, from needing eight hours to I'm good with six hours. This kind of goes into our subject because it's personality driven, right? Like I, so Oh, you gave it away. <clears throat> I just said personality driven. I didn't say exactly what about. Okay. Right? But I really feel... And maybe this is part of my personality. The feelings are important, so let's hear this. If I did not have to sleep, I would like that. Oh, yeah. I asked you once what your superpower would be, and it would be to not sleep. Right. Because I have too many curios- too many things that I want to mess with that if I could do that, if I could have an extra 24 hours where everybody else is sleeping or extra 12 hours, I guess, when, when people are sleeping, I would love to have that. Because I don't want to miss out on... things like i could work all night do like all the emails all the paperwork all and have fun all day and then all day i could just hang out people yeah it'd be nice so if i could do that or to not be tired like during the day but with that being said i don't stay up just because i don't like to sleep because i do enjoy sleep once i am asleep but i don't really need a whole lot of sleep i don't think i mean my body price says otherwise so you don't know if you sleep six or eight hours is what i'm getting at well on a regular clip I go to bed usually around 11. Yeah, same here. And I usually wake up at like 5, 5.30. Okay, so six hours. But and then a lot of times. And I you would, feel good all day. Like yeah. it's easy to, easy-ish to wake yeah, up. I'm and, fine. Yeah. But there's plenty of nights when it's midnight, 1 o'clock. And you'll still wake up at 6, 5. Yeah, yeah. That's good. For sure. Next level. And that's probably not great. Most people would be shocked at that. Most people have yeah. to have eight hours. Yeah. I probably drink way too much coffee. But Coffee's I think, good. But I've... I don't know. I think it's in your... See, this is what I think. Because I always heard eight hours. it's a mental thing, though. It's mental. That's what I'm saying. So if you tell yourself for like your whole life you need eight hours and you look at the clock when you go to bed and you count the time and you know you're only getting six hours, you're going to feel tired. I will tell you, I'm not a morning person, though. What does that mean? So no matter how many... If I go to bed at nine o'clock and wake up at 5 a.m., or if I go to bed, too much sleep will make you sleepy. Or if I go to bed, like if I go to bed at midnight, or if I go to bed at two a.m. and I have to wake up at five a.m., I feel exactly the same at oh, five yeah. a.m. Totally. And it takes me about two hours to really want to talk. Holy to Holy moly! Like I'm very, I don't know, internal processor is is kind of how I am, and so so that first little bit, which works out great because you know spending time in the Word and 
quiet time and things work well with not wanting to talk to anybody. Sure. Yet. Um, but do you want to talk to God? You don't have to answer that. Here's my question. Let's get into this. <laughs> I feel like you just hung me out on a limb. And no, 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 no. That's all right. That's why I said you don't have to answer it because <laughs> I do like to talk to God. So <clears throat> there's this. I want to call it a. Um, it's a. It's just an an elevated mm-hmm. topic in our society and our culture right now. Maybe even a microculture. Mm-hmm. I don't know how it is in the rest of the world. It's called the Enneagram. Ooh. It's everywhere. You just made some people get really nervous about what we're about to say. But what's funny is I used to listen to podcasts about this like six yeah. years ago. But it's still like yeah. just as popular. Any I can't but here's my question. Don't start talking yet because <laughs> I feel like you care less mm-hmm. about the Enneagram than most people. But you are a biblical counselor. Mm-hmm. You're very introspective. Mm-hmm. You're very like thought driven. Um, you deal with people's problems all the time, but yet, I mean, I can't go anywhere with a a group of church people Mm -hmm. and not talk about the Enneagram or personality tests in general. I just, Enneagram is definitely at the top of personality tests. Well, especially in Christian culture because Christian base. Yeah. So just for everybody out there, we are talking about personality tests today and where this conversation goes. Mm -hmm. We are not quite sure yet, but my first question is Chad, why don't Mm -hmm. you put a lot of stock at least from my perception, in personality tests, namely the Enneagram? Well, it's not be- It's not that I don't put stock in it. You just don't, all. like, you don't care, but you're not like, like, what number are you even? A five? You don't even know. Like, the other <laughs> I, day you I didn't know it, what you I were. I took it one time. I'm a five. Um, I think personality tests are great for what they're meant for. What are they meant for? For sure. They're, they're helpful. Um, yeah. Um, well, personality tests are not like just popular now. They've been popular for a long time. I have a psychology degree. And so, uh, you know, I've learned about that kind of thing. But people didn't used to love them. Like they were like meant no, for those seeking help, mental help. Not just that, but be, business world uses it a lot. I mean, I, yeah, for sure. I've done a disc survey. Yeah, I've done the disc. What are you there? I, um, I know I am a S. S. Sensing? S-I, which is, hold on a second. I, I, uh, I'm a high D. <laughs> that makes sense. Domination. So for the people who don't know what the DISC survey is, personality tests, it's D-I-C-S. D-I-S-C, DISC. Or D-I-S-C, sorry. D-I... No, He's already getting in a circle, and he doesn't know which one goes <laughs> next. Because it is like right, counterintuitive, right, right. left you're to right. right, right to left. Sorry. So it's dominance. That personality, which looks like um, on the thing that I looked up on it, is uh, a persuader, perfectionist, ordered, you know, diplomatic, but achiever, achiever analytical, sure. so on and so forth. Then you got an influencer. Don't spend a, too much time on this. Anyway, I go quickly. Yeah. So the, influencer. This person is very social, very like loves people. Loves, yep. Mm-hmm. You know. um, an S is steadiness. So they're... Oh, you're an S. Mm-hmm. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, self-sufficient coach, independent, adaptable, so on and so forth. And mm-hmm. then compliance is um, someone who's very analytical, someone who's very... Engineers. Uh, engineers, They yeah. need to be told to do. They're good employees. Yeah. Uh, usually engineers are high Cs, for sure. Yeah. And so that's the disproportionate I am unemployable. Test. You're unemployable. What ask my boss. <laughs> I don't have a boss. Right. Unemployable. Unemployable. 
And so these things are very helpful. And so they, these come out of the social sciences, out of the observational sciences, right? And psychology uses this a lot. And so they've done great job, a great job putting together tools that help understand personalities and habits and behaviors and normatives of certain personalities so that you can understand yourself and know your strengths and your weaknesses, right? And so it's very helpful in a lot of senses. But... <clears throat> It's not something that I find to be determinative. Yeah, because isn't it limiting? Like, I would never look at... Now, I will say, like, I hate it, but I love the Enneagram. Sure. I hate that I love it. No, oh, I you love it, it too? too? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know that. I never got that, like, feeling from you. I felt like you were always, like, <laughs> judging all the peons for thinking <laughs> about the Enneagram. No, I'm not judging at all. I think it's. I think it's great. I think it's a great help. A helpful tool. But my thing is, what I want to believe, which, Mm -hmm. like, my heart is drawn towards the Enneagram, but what I want to believe is, like, dude, whatever needs to happen, like, I will just be that person that Mm -hmm. needs to, that needs to be to make that thing happen. Like, the result is what's important. Maybe that's just my personality. Well, I will say. Got me again. (laughs) Like, this is where, like I said, personality tests are awesome, is they help us understand kind of how we're wired, right? Um, Why is it that you're like that? Why do you enjoy goals? Why do you want to do that sort of thing? Can you say if it's nature or nurture? Uh, I am a, (laughs) this won't surprise anyone, because I tend to be pretty balanced in my... You're 50-50. I'm 50-50. I think um, there's a lot that you're born with, absolutely. Um, like genetically, genetically. like you get sure. it from your parents, right? Like I've got two kids; they're both completely different. They live in the same house, right? They've seen and right. observed the same life everybody right. else has. Exactly. <clears throat> they just look at life different ways, and a lot of that's the way they're wired. Mm-hmm. Now, there's also a lot they 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 also have very similar values because of the environment that they're growing up in mm-hmm. and how we parent. Okay. And so, I think if if I were to give percentages. I would say about 40% nature, 60% nurture. Okay. If I were to just give percentages on what I think it is, right? But what about, let's say, the wiredness mm-hmm. of a of a little child or a human is not conducive to the world? Because the world we live in is, like, somewhat fixed, especially, like, a household. If you have eight kids, mm-hmm. one of them and their wired personality is not quite going to fit in to the household the way the rest so then do they then require more of a percentage of um nurturing or well i would say if you have that many kids (laughs) well you get four whatever you probably don't nurture the same way for child number eight as you do for child number one and that also has a big big impact on their development and personality oh so there's a lot of research that shows like First child, children, tend so it's to not be, the same household. Like they grow, like it is the same roof, but right. like the household changes. I mean, sure. I get that. Like I controlled my first kid a lot more than my fourth. I mean, think about your fourth kid. Grant. I don't even know how he's alive. <laughs> I don't either. I love him, I but pre- I pretty much saw he's him nuts. I saw him yesterday running very far from with a from, knife. <laughs> no, 
He was running down our sidewalk from a very far distance. <laughs> like, which, where were you, bro? <laughs> so, like, it looked like he was out in the street, basically, oh, and no gosh. one knew it. He just come running from the other I side. I didn't even of the know it. <laughs> and I was like, so where's Graham been? <laughs> <laughs> he's happy as can be. Yeah, he's loving life. I mean, he's surviving. Because no that control. But that also goes into his personality, too, and his upbringing, like, his independence and, and training, but also what he's learning from his siblings. See, mm-hmm. his environment's completely different than your first child, who's yeah. only who only has you and your wife. Yeah. And so I do think there is a big impact on environment, right? I mean, there's so much research that shows that, right? If you grow up in a poor socioeconomic status with high crime rates and things like that, it impacts the development versus someone who grows up in the suburb the suburbs with affluent schools and mm-hmm. opportunities like that's that's nurture yeah that's not i've nature. heard like if a baby is born and never physically touched like they will oh yeah not live or just they'll be live. really jacked up they'll live but they'll they'll have some real issues that's crazy man that's crazy because we're meant to be loved we're meant to be nurtured yeah right for sure or like growing up in a, in a cave like mm-hmm. alone that would be yeah different well there's a documentary that I watched in college when I was going through my psychology degree in one of our classes that talked about feral children that basically lived in the wild mm. and they had language issues um, and they were stunted in their development because they weren't around humans. They literally grew up with animals. Do you believe that all of those types of stories are um, completely reconcilable? Reconcilable? Yes. Did I make that word up? Uh, I mean, no, no. That's a good word. So here's the here's what, what made me ask that. that. I was uh, speaking to a family uh, who we do life with, and they are foster parents, and they have a couple mm-hmm. foster kids, and sure. they are like, I want to say like four, maybe three, and like one and a half, sure. and they're nonverbal, and like mm-hmm. they're on quote unquote the spectrum, which mm-hmm. like. I have a problem when I hear the spectrum because I'm like, man, who like created the spectrum? Like everybody puts yeah. everyone on the spectrum who doesn't act normal. And so I was asking like, okay, is that fixable? And they were like, yeah, like with, cause it's environmental mm-hmm. autism is what they were saying. Sure. Now I don't want to get into autism, but like yeah, feral children, is that like developmental stuff? Is all that reconcilable through better it, nurturing? It is, but some of it depending on the severity can be very challenging. I mean, that's just the reality. Mm-hmm. Some of it can be very challenging. Doesn't mean it's not redeemable. Doesn't mean it's not reconcilable. But the work that may go into that could be very, very challenging. Mm-hmm. Because your, if I remember this correctly, from uh, schooling, most of your language and a lot of brain development in the area of language and and learning happens from. Um, I think it's from like six months to like two years, like that window. And I might be off a little bit on that uh, spectrum there. But the point is, if damage happens in that point, it's harder to fix than if it it, damage happens. It's not. It's not not irreversible. It's not. It's it's not hopeless. But the work that goes into that is very hard. Well, because then you also have to define what is what is the fix? Like, what does a fixed mm-hmm. human look like? And I'm sure there are people that define this thing. Sure. And so it, it, there's a lot of studies. There's a lot of different opinions on that. So I don't want to like be very dogmatic in that realm, but 
but I'll just say like it's it's difficult. Yeah. All right. Well, let's bring this back to personality tests because right. we got in a little bit of a rabbit hole there. So we got these personality tests, and they tell us about ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like for instance, you're five. Right. So let's talk about you for a second. You're a five. Right. What does that make? Like, what is hard for you? Like, what is difficult? Being um, a two or being a four? Like, what? Hopefully, people understand the Enneagram. If not, it's like fifty questions. You can go take it. You get a number one through nine. It tells you if you're a perfectionist, a helper, an achiever, a feeler. Uh, if you're a critical thinker, if you're a loyalist, I'm just dude. I'm coming up with all this on the top of my head. If you're like an extrovert, if you're a leader, eights are like hardcore leaders, nines are peacemakers. So what do you find the most difficult as a five to well, be? If I understand being a five, I've I've looked into it a little bit and kind of learned a little bit because I do think it's helpful to understand. And by the way, I plan on doing this with all of our staff really soon. My job the is... Enneagram? Mm-hmm. I already know with all they they, they all are. I do too. Are. They do too. <laughs> um, but I want to do some work on just how to to help even our environment and and even in hiring process. I, I think the enneagram is valuable in the sense of like knowing our needs and knowing what the position needs to be. I think in the in the hiring process in the business world or even in the church world, like if I need someone to be super organized, like the, if the job requires organizational skills, I'm not going to pick a nine, I'm going to pick a one, Mm, right? Because a one is naturally more organized and more driven in that way. Mm -hmm. And so it it helps, you know, hire someone to their strengths. Yeah. In the business world that I live in, the disc is highly utilized for that. And I think if if I were to give my opinion, which I will, (laughs) I think the Enneagram is more helpful than a disc survey. Because for you, because you run a church, or right. like, do you think business general. owners could I think use business it too? Owners could use Instagram more than the disc survey, hmm. just because it gives a more broader perspective. You know, the disc only has four categories, mm-hmm. and but it has levels of each one. Like I was like a high D, a low I. I but that's I mean, kind of. I mean, it's listen. I did it, and it was helpful. It was very accurate in a lot of ways, and so I'm not saying the disc survey is a bad tool. But the Enneagram has nine different personality types. And so I just think it helps. And wings. And wings. And like different things about the Enneagram that I think are helpful and get more specific. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's, that's helpful just in general. But Right. So as a five, you know, it says a five is a quiet specialist. Um, fives tend to be more independent, um, tend to be more curious, tend to become experts in things. Um, but tend to be a little bit more, um, an internal processor and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. And so, which is great, you know, and, and I mean, it's a good personality for a counselor, right? Very curious, Uh, you know, so it it definitely lends itself to being a pastor and a counselor in a lot of ways, especially for the things that I oversee for development of people and, um, even for dreaming and developing new things, it's helpful because I'm very curious. I love learning about a lot of different things. Um, uh, just for example, I can't even watch a movie without wanting to know who the director is and why they did what they did. And hmm. I mean, I'll look up all of it. Like my wife laughs at me. Like I'll show her a new artist that I'm listening to, like their songs, and like I'm looking at their biography. The first thing, hmm. like where'd they come from? Where do they? 
where'd they start like why'd they write this do you album? retain all that information yeah oh interesting. i love it because I, I like to look at that up but i like do not retain it oh yeah but, I, no i love it like i can tell you all about the foo fighters and not because i think the foo fighters are the greatest band ever i think they're a really great band but i love dave grohl's story the leader of the foo fighters hmm. i love the fact that he was in nirvana then after kurt cobain dies he started what do you do in nirvana he was a drummer oh. and then once that was kurt, probably a very stupid question <laughs> <laughs> no it's fine <laughs> Um, I, just, I watched the documentary, but I also watched interviews and looked things up. So I definitely have way more information than I need. But this is just that an sounds example. That like Pearl Jam. This is an example of a five, right? And so then I'm curious into, okay, he started the Foo Fighters. And I'm thinking, you know, you start a band. No. The Foo Fighters started, it was just Dave Grohl. It was him by himself in a studio. He wrote all the, all the songs for the first album. Were they one of those mixed bands like no, he played Temple every of the Dog? Instrument. He played every instrument. It was just him. Oh, really? And he made up the name Foo Fighters just so that he could get his music out there so they wouldn't think it was he a drummer from He Nirvana. sang too? Yeah. He did oh. all of it. And then it and then it became a hit. Like people start listening to it and so then he put a band together to play his music. That's how wow. they started. Wow. Okay, it's, that's cool. Yeah. That's very interesting. So I love I mean that's just one example of like I love documentaries. So here's the question. Stuff. Where does being a five become a limiting thing for you and then the the following yeah. question is like what do you do to overcome that like yeah. do you limit like what what happens in that like what's your internal dialogue when you find a limiting um when you find something that's limiting you as a five to accomplish something you want to accomplish well that's a good question i would say i know <laughs> um as a five, I'm not very organized. I'm very abstract in my thinking, mm, right? Okay. Uh, I think big picture. I think in abstract thought. I think in analogies. And that is a strength in the in the sense of counseling and things of that nature because I'm able to take very complex ideas and I can kind of understand them in an abstract way and use analogies and things to help someone else understand it. And that's helpful. But when it comes to like organizing my schedule or organizing my life, it's a limiting factor. I hate it. Mm. I I immediately rebel that independence factor of being a five, if we want to use this terminology. I immediately rebel against um, anything I feel constrained with. Like I do not like rules. You don't like rules. Mm -mm. Authority. No. How do you feel about authority? I'm fine with authority. What about growing up as a kid before you were redeemed? No. I'm fine. Um, huh. I grew up Why on a farm. is that? Well, I mean, it might just be the environment. It's nature versus nurture, right? Because you get whipped. Yeah. There's okay. punishment. <laughs> Spare the rod, spoil the child. But also, I have no problem with authority that I understand. So, like, mm -hmm. playing baseball. Like, I, you know, I totally understand coaches. They have expertise. They're trying to help us win. I get it. How about if you had a coach that you like didn't have merit, like was mm -hmm. an idiot, but it was like trying to like would could never you listen? Okay, so you mm -hmm. could recognize that you'd mm -hmm. see through. Okay, yeah. No, I would never. So listen. they'd have to have merit. You wouldn't yeah. just blindly follow any authority. Now, I'm not confrontational in the sense of like I wouldn't like just try to challenge him or like make him look stupid. I'd just be like, okay, he'd say something, but you just that, would not listen. That independence factor, like I can easily just be like, I hear you. That's cool. And then I just go do my own thing. Right. Okay. <laughs> like, I mean, I have no remorse for that. 
Okay, like, so now you got these limiting things in your life, like being organized. So at what point, because mm-hmm. you have, like, you're a high-level guy. You're running right. a church with, I don't know, 200 people, more, plus, whatever. Which, by the way, on being a five, like, the upside is I I have a lot of resolve. Like, once I understand and I hear from the Lord or have wisdom and I know that we're doing the right thing, like, I'm immovable. Mm-hmm. Because the independence factor of being a five is really helpful in the sense of, like, I don't need your approval. Okay. Like, I, if I know we're doing what's right, like, you're not going to change my mind. Right. So that's that's a strength of yours. But then even – it doesn't matter whatever mm-hmm. you're trying to accomplish, which, like I said, you're accomplishing high-level things, like mm-hmm. very important things. You're counseling, like, people through very important matters in their life. Right. You're leading a church. You have, like, eight staff people. So I just made the number up. It's um, pretty close. Yeah, I'd say. You probably know exactly, hopefully. I, I don't. Because <laughs> you're not organized. That's right. Okay, so There's now. people show up and I'm like, you are on our staff? Great. That's Come hilarious on. that you don't know. That's okay. not true. I, I do know everybody on our staff. Marie probably knows. Oh, your yeah, wife. Sure. She's very organized. That's why God put us together. She She's basically my handler. She but normally me. God puts together two that. Um, I don't know if that's true. So Did you, you know what story. I was going to say? Well. Two, two together that like compliment one another. But I just, no, no, no. Two that like rub each other the wrong way. Because it's a sanctifying but process. It's a compliment too. It's what you need. It's what you need, but what you hate. Sure. Okay. And that's true. I don't like. But wait, let me let me get like, to this you first. Just, you just said the very like that is what you need, but what life. you hate. It's what I need, but what I hate. I've right. learned to love it. I've learned to love that about her. But early on, like needing to schedule everything, can't like. Like every time I saw it, I just wanted to be like, ah, oh, just blow this But up. you have to have those things to accomplish what you want to accomplish. So you oh, got yeah, these dreams. Sure. You're a really good dreamer. But then to execute on mm-hmm. those dreams, let's say you didn't have Sam, you didn't mm-hmm. have Marie. Like what responsibility do you take as a five or whatever right. you want to identify as to move, like basically get through those hurdles, get over those hurdles to accomplish what you need to accomplish? Well, like, I think, I think the good thing about, a personality test like the Enneagram is you get to see your weaknesses too. And if you're humble, which I'm not always humble, but I, I try to be, then you welcome the people with the strengths that you don't have. Mm. I've heard one time, you know, the best leaders are not the ones who try to be great at everything. It's the, is they recognize their weaknesses and they surround themselves with people with those strengths. Mm-hmm. Like that's a great week, a great oh, yeah. leader. And so I try to practice that as much as possible. Okay. So instead of making yourself better, sure. which you do make yourself better in other mm-hmm. ways, but so you, you would say you more like leverage your strengths and surround yourself by sure. people that complement your weaknesses. Yeah, Is do. that the recipe for success? I do, but I also try to Can learn. we write a book about that? <laughs> you think someone knows that already? I'm sure somebody has. Dang. But I'll say, I don't want to say this. I do leverage their strengths. No, your strengths. Or my strengths, and but also theirs. And theirs. And my weaknesses. To complement your but weaknesses. I also try to learn from their strengths. And make yourself better? Like, yeah. I don't think it's an excuse. To surround myself with people who are better than me is not an excuse not to work on my weaknesses. Okay. But... I should be humble enough to understand they're the ones with the strength, and so I should learn from them. Even though you'll never be as good as them at yeah, organization, you'll but still I try. Still, like, so here's the thing, and we'll get into this probably more in a little bit, but 
It is not an excuse. This is one of the dangers of personality tests. Okay. Right? Is when we put our identity in them and we use them as excuses not to try in our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's right or biblical. Right? Like I'm a fill in the blank. I'm not good at that. Right. And, and we should I, have an example for that. And I see that a lot. I don't want to put anyone, I, like all I can think of is certain people in my life. And I don't, <laughs> don't want do to like don't do that. <laughs> hang them out That's the door. Bad news. Well, I I'll can say this, like I'm a, th- okay, you go. Yeah. Okay. So it would be wrong of me, but it's very tempting to just rely on my wife to organize our life. Mm, okay. Even though she's very good at it. She's she very, loves it. She's great at it. But who's called to be the leader of my home? You are. I am. Right. Now, being a leader doesn't mean doing everything and having to do everything. Because as we talked about, great leaders, you know, we, we try to rely on the strength of others. And my wife is an excellent uh, leader herself. And I try to lead in such a way that that values what she brings to the table in her opinion and seeing her as uh, an equal in a lot of ways, right? We're equal before the Lord. We're just different in in roles mm-hmm. and responsibilities. And so she's my helper. She's created to be my helper. And I try to accept that help. But at the, at the same time, I'm called to be the, the leader of my home spiritually, um, the spiritual leader of our home, as well as the protector provider. Like these are all things that the Bible tells me that is my job. Mm-hmm. So just because I don't like to organize or I don't like to do that doesn't mean that I get to abdicate that responsibility. Abdicate. So what I do then <coughs> is I leverage and I, and I want to build my wife's platform in our home. I want her to flourish. And so she helps us a lot and she has a lot of great ideas that she brings to me and she's great at being a, a great wife and submissive in that way of like respecting my role. But I listen to her a lot cause she's got a lot of great ideas and you know, I don't need to make up everything to be the leader. Right. So a lot of ideas, I'm like, that's great. Let's do it. But at the same time, I've asked her to help and she's given me a lot of great pointers on how to organize my life and be better at right. investing in myself, investing in our family, investing in our church and our staff and a lot of tools that she uses and is great at. I've, I've learned from, and I've gotten a lot better at being organizational, but here's what I'll say. God gets a whole lot more glory in our weaknesses than he does in our strengths. And so we're all called to all the commands of scripture, no matter what your wiring or personality is. And so all of us have areas that we are weak in that God still calls us to do. And that is not, that is not God being a unfair God. It is he works in our weaknesses as we humble ourselves and submit ourselves to him and we ask him to grow us and we seek to be responsible for the things he's called us to even if we're not great at them naturally it's in that growing and in that developing that god gets a lot more glory because it's not something that i'm naturally good at right i can think of like i think it's fours because like for me, community mm-hmm. comes very easy. Sure. So my wife as well. Like we love community and it's almost like it becomes a, mm-hmm. a stumbling block for us because right. we hide in that at, at times. But right. there are a lot of people we know like they 
don't love community. So it's right. very hard for them. But like community is such a big part of spiritual growth. Right. So like, it's just, it sucks because right. there are, I think fours. Um, I know some twos like this. Right. Nines maybe. Like they don't love to get into community and be around believers. Right. Or whatever, like, right. you know, parties, well, whatever. You know, and, and eights can have some issues when it comes to community because active authority and th- authority and they, yeah. they want to be in control. And, and sometimes I, I lovingly call my friends who are eights, which are, they're great people yeah. by the way and very needed. So I don't want this to sound like mean, but they have prickly personalities, <laughs> which just means that like they mean well, but it's not always easy. Right. Right. They're pushers and they're, they're drivers and, and we need pushers and drivers, but they could sometimes struggle with community, right? Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that they get to not be in community. It doesn't mean they just control. And it's harder for them. It is harder, but they get so, God gets so much glory when an eight humbles themselves and loves people well, mm-hmm. right? And I got a lot of friends. I got a few who who might listen to this and know that I'm probably thinking about them. I'm thinking of a couple who do love well and work really hard at trying to love well. Yeah. And man, God gets a lot of glory mm-hmm. from their loving people. Well, because it's not natural. Just like God gets a lot of glory when I step out and lead because it's not natural to me to want to be the controller or in front. Right. Mm. But God has called me to do that at times. And he gets he gets all the glory. Like when I preach and teach, that's not natural to me. Right. Um, that's not something that I have ever aspired to or wanted to do. But God has called me to do that. And there are times when it's necessary for me to be the one who's up here on front, out in front on the stage, teaching, especially counseling and different things. And God uses that and uses that in people's lives. And He gets the glory because I'm not naturally good at that. Right. Right. And that's great. Like, I just want to be used by God. So awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm all about yeah, it. Yeah. You and Sam have such different preaching styles. So Sam's sure. our other lead pastor here and he preaches 90% of the time. And he's much better at, in my opinion, at communicating right ideas and communicating God's word. So yeah, he smiles a lot. Yeah. He's charismatic. <laughs> He's he's all the things his that his hair is be. perfect. <laughs> <laughs> he does have nice hair. But the point is like I get so much out of your sermons, especially in the contrast sure. of once a quarter. Right. And, and lately it's been a little more than that, which has been nice. But I get it's so much power more power not more powerful, but it's mm. so powerful, especially in the contrast right. of we have Sam, this like ideal um, like what you think of when you think of a preacher out, like being out in front and then you come in right. and you're completely different in your personality and your demeanor, but the, the word and the truth that you bring is still so powerful. Well, and, and Sam and I talk about this a lot. Like we feel like we're so privileged and blessed to have each other because we feel like we get, like God is able to give our church such a, uh, complex dynamic mm-hmm. in the sense of Sam, who's. I kind of describe him like a boxer in a sense of like has a great jab, like every week just hitting you with truth, Uh, walking us through the word, teaching us how to read our Bibles. So valuable. Like 
it's it's the consistency that we need to set us up for the, the your occasional, hail marys the occasional haymaker <laughs> that comes when i come in and talk about the heart or something like that 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 if you heard it every single week it wouldn't make the same impact right it'd be hard right <laughs> Um, People are still like, right. probably feeling hurt a little bit about your last sermon, <laughs> <laughs> or the body shot, or whatever analogy you want to use. But like, but the body shot doesn't work, or the right hook doesn't work unless unless the jab is there, unless that consistent setting them up and and helping someone, or in the boxing analogy, getting them off balance to to be able to receive the other punches. Yeah. And so Sam is so awesome and great at that consistency that we need. That I, I could never do what he does. Every single week, being compelling, walking us just through books of the Bible that most people think you can't do and so boring. Not when Sam does it. Every single week, it's like, man, like I can't believe like we're seeing Scripture in a whole new way. While seeing Scripture in a whole new way, he's also teaching us how to see, how to read it for ourselves, right? Doing that biblical theology preaching. Mm-hmm just exposing scripture, making a big God view. I mean, that, that is so invaluable. And then I come in with more of the counseling, more of the practical theology, teaching about the heart and how our hearts function and, and, and more practically how to deal with the issues of our heart. And man, I I think that is such a great dynamic, but that's his strength with my strength, we're, we're great at complimenting one another, right? Yeah. Okay, let's give our listeners some help here because that's what we're doing this for. So if they're listening to this, they probably like personality tests. Sure. They've probably taken the Enneagram. If not, go do it. Wait, would you recommend? Yeah, you would recommend someone do it, right? Because sure, it gives absolutely. insight. Okay, yeah. so here you got a biblical counselor and a pastor recommending to take it. And... So now they take it, they get their number. Mm-hmm. So what are, it's not determinative. You've already said that. So what are some of their thoughts and feelings that you would like, sure. if you were right there with them when they took it, like right. what, how would you coach them in, in like uh, interpreting this number, sure. this determinative number that's not determinative? Well, first thing I would say is it's great to know your strengths and great to know how you're wired. I, you know, we are created uniquely. God has designed us uniquely and it's so awesome. Like it's a desire within us to know our uniqueness, to know how we're wired, to understand why we think the way we do, why we do the things we do. And and it is so helpful. Right. And so I, I think that it's helpful to do that. It's helpful to understand that. It's also understand to understand all the different Enneagram, um, what do you call it? Personality numbers, numbers to spectrum. Yeah. Because then you also can learn how to interact with others and you kind of understand other people better. When you have like riffs in a relationship, you can understand, Oh, yeah. that's because they're, uh, they value this where I'm valuing this and we're just misunderstanding each yeah, other. Cause I find myself saying that a lot. And I wonder if it's uh foolish, like, Oh, they're a, they're a this, like right. I've run into ones a lot. Like I just like me and ones, like we're not like meant for each other really. Right. And so, I I tend to like right. oh they're a one that's why I don't get mm-hmm. along with them, right? But that's not it's not right an excuse. But a lot of times I think we, we do use it as an excuse. Yeah. yeah. And so my warnings would be, first of all, don't use your personality as an excuse. Right. Don't use it as an excuse to sin. 
don't use it as an excuse not to have to worry about all the commands of Scripture and the principles of Scripture, because that's not true. We're still all called to all the commands and all the principles of Scripture. Some will be harder for And some will be harder than others. others. And the value of the Enneagram is understanding why certain things are hard so that you have a plan of attack. Not that, not so that you avoid it. Right. Right? Because like we said earlier, God gets more glory in our weakness than he does in our strengths. Yeah. Right? And so because he is shown to be, he's the one doing it. When, when we're doing the thing that's not our strength, but we're doing it as unto the Lord in worship, then God gets the glory for that. Right? And so we should lean into our strengths, especially in the areas that God has commanded us to. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I'll warn against is it's not your identity. Mm. Do not replace understanding your personality with your identity. The Bible tells us that our identity is in Christ, in Christ alone. Your identity is not that you're a five or a one or a two or all the way down to nine. That oh. is not who you are. That is how you're wired. That is God, how God has wired you. But that is not who you are mm. or whose you are, right? Mm. But your identity is in Christ, right? Second Corinthians 5 tells us that. For anyone is in Christ, behold, the old is gone and the new has come. There is a new creation. You're a new creation, right? Also, first Ephesians chapter 1, we're adopted as sons and daughters, like we were made new. We are in Christ. That is our identity. And all of the spiritual blessings in Christ Jesus, in Ephesians 1, are given to us in Christ Jesus through the Holy Spirit. Nothing's withheld, nothing is withheld. And so we are able to love in the way that Christ has called us to love and to obey in the way God has called us to obey no matter our personality. That's key. We are able to. Like, yeah. it's not a limiting right. factor. It's just some things take more work. And this personality test helps you understand the things that take more work for you so that you can put in the work. Right. So identifying like, hey, this will be a challenge for you. Like for mm-hmm. me, it's rules. I just know that. Right. And ones, like but I said earlier. But it doesn't mean that you get to not follow the rules. Exactly. But it gives me a warning. Like, hey, you're about to run into some rules. You know you sure. have trouble with this. You need to humble yourself. And, and remember, yourself. it's not about you. Yeah. And that's how I can enjoy ones too. And that's what I really but have to when do. when you do that. Who gets the glory? God all the way. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. It's so much like God really speaks to me the most when I can enjoy a one for who they are because mm-hmm. I know that I right. I really don't. Like my sinful nature does not. I don't want to be around a one because they remind me of all my shortcomings. Right. However, when I can just look at them and like who God created them to be as a one who enjoys order and structure and right. rules of which I do not, but I wish mm-hmm. I, I actually don't wish I do, but like still like, <laughs> but see them as like, man, they are helpful. They are part of the body. They, of we need them. And we Same need with them AIDS. The they hurt my feelings, but <laughs> I love them. <laughs> like when I can recognize right. a need for them and right. realize it's not about their glory, but God's like, it, right. it's, it's that's powerful. Why, that's why Sam and I get a well, get along so well. What's Sam? He's an eight. Okay. I knew it. I'm a five. Someone tried to say he's a one. I was like, there's no way he's a one. He's an eight. Because I like him too much. (laughs) (laughs) But it works out because my my independence allows me not to get, like, hurt by 
the eight who he's not very hurtful is that like part of him being mature and trying to tell you that's that's christ right like right so he used to tell you that his his bend would be to be controlling and all that stuff but because of his love for christ and christ working in him he wants to be more loving and he wants to be someone who cares and listens yeah and man and he does that he does that well and so the Lord gets the, the credit and the glory, and that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And I am actually pretty good at organizing things and, and putting together different ministries and structures, and that is not natural in what I like to do, but I see as valuable to bring about the dreams and the things that that are natural to me. And, man, God gets all that glory, and I'm learning that from my wife and people like Sam who— are more organized and see that stuff and and God gets the glory for for that not me right yeah. and that's great there's nothing wrong with that well it's good i feel like we're recapping here like this is um i mean we definitely have not exhausted the enneagram we could go into a million different combinations well, one thing that of we'll challenges say is the, the choice the, the the reason for this podcast was not so that we explain the enneagram right it was to help us understand the value of personality tests and also some of the pitfalls and shortcomings and the warnings that ultimately our goal is to love and serve Christ in the way that he has called us to. And we are called to do that whether we are naturally good at it or not. And there are certain aspects, God who is so complex, he has made all of us in unique ways. Because here's the deal. There's no, even if you're a five like me or a one or a two or whatever, there is no five created equal. So like we can get a bunch of fives together and we can relate, but we're also different. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why it's so dangerous to make that your identity. Right. But God has given us pieces of himself and we can see this in the Enneagram, all these different Enneagrams really show a certain part of God's character that he puts inside of all of us because we're created in his image. But he also created us to be dependent on him. And so understanding this helps us to understand the the ways that he's wired us to be a part of the body, to serve one another, right? Because the two greatest commandments, our first commandment to worship the, the Lord our God, to love him with all of our heart, mind, body, and soul. And then to love others as ourselves. And all of us have different strengths and things that are created to be a part of the body of Christ. Some of us are created to be the head. Some of us are created to be the foot. You know, all the things that Second uh, Corinthians tells us about. Uh, chapter 12. And then to, I'm trying to think how to say this. But to just celebrate being a foot and thinking that the rest of the body that I don't have to worry about interacting with or caring about the rest of the body of Christ is to be selfish and prideful. Right. The glory is not that you're a foot. The glory is that you're a part of a big body that's doing things. Right. And we're incomplete. The biggest thing that we should understand is we're only completed in Christ and being a part of the body. On our own, we are incomplete. You get a bunch of fives together, we're going to make, we're going to be curious about stuff. We're going to dream. We're going to, 
We're going to think about stuff deeply and all that good stuff, and we're not going to do anything. <laughs> What's funny is, like, I was just thinking, man, only fives are going to, like, really dig into this because it's all about fives. But, like, fives are going to love this the most because it's all about, like, critical thinking, right? Sure. Like, would you love this podcast? I would, but I, I hope that everyone else would, too, because I'm not speaking on all the numbers because I don't want to pretend to be an expert on all the people and all the all the personality types. Right. But, Plug in whichever number you are, and the principle is the same. Exactly. Don't find your identity in right. it. Right. Beware of the pitfalls right. of like trying to justify right. your weaknesses mm-hmm. because that's not what you are on the type, and looking for God to right. get glory in your weaknesses. That's right. Yeah. And utilize this personality test to understand how God has created you, to worship Him best, and to serve and love and interact with others especially those in the body of christ right to know how to interact and best love and serve one another yeah right and so i look at a one who's my wife and instead of being frustrated at how she's naturally wired to want to organize and plan and all that stuff i start to learn man this is such a grace in my life and i'm not good at this and i'm glad she thinks this way because it's needed right and i look at a sam who's an eight who's a pusher and and he's an active controller as the name of the eight is but it's so helpful and he's a pusher and he's a he's a leader and he helps inspire and and make us better or you know I look at you and what's your number I three the three I should have made you figure it out right Dang it. <laughs> which is uh a achiever. achiever what's your goal oriented and you respond to goals 100%. well and, I mean we can just go down the list yeah Right. And I look at those and say, okay, this is such a blessing to have these people in my life because they challenge me in different ways and I'm able to interact and challenge them in different ways. And together we're better than separate. Yeah. But in, in that sense, we're all defined together and put together in Christ because Christ is the one who exemplifies all these personality types. If you want to say it that way, perfectly in one he is he is the greatest at all of these without any yeah so he's a complete like he's not one of the numbers he would be just a complete he'd just be complete so ideally we would be complete in in this he is perfectly loving he is a perfect leader i mean you just go down right he has all the strength none of the weaknesses right okay here's my last question we can wrap this up so just a practical question Mm -hmm. so now we we take these tests we see who we are we see what others identify as and i I mean not to identify but yeah i guess whatever identify as just Just don't find your yeah yeah, you understand what people are um coming out as and now how as a christian community are we using this to encourage and love one another does that make sense well because i feel you could use this sure I mean, I know one would be not expecting too much out of certain people, like not expecting certain things. Well, it wouldn't it wouldn't be not expecting certain things because we should expect that each of us would try to live as unto the Lord in all of the commands and principles of Scripture, right? But it would allow us to have empathy and grace for those who are not who are not especially wired in certain ways, when we understand them, we get where they're coming from. Yeah. And it allows us to have more grace. Um, Yeah, like if I'm falling short on a goal, you should call me out. But if I'm not having 
like not if if I'm having a hard time following the rules, you could right. maybe give me a little, little grace. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I give you grace, but I also understand that for you, I would want to sit down and help you understand why we have the rule because I know it's a difficulty for you to just right. blindly follow. The yeah, rules. that's how we got our, like that's how our right. relationship started was right. me questioning everything. Sure, yeah, which is valuable, right? You're you're pushing like if if it the rule is good. I should be able to explain why it matters. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So that's fine. And I understand that about you. But at the same time, I don't I don't just think that you shouldn't follow the rules. Right? Right. I want to be helpful to you. I want to show you grace. Same standard, different process. Yeah. Exactly. To get to that standard. All of this should just be a tool to help us love God more and love others better. Right. In our communities. That's what it should be for. If you're using it for anything else, your identity, justification, whatever, that's wrong. Okay. And that's why you asked me in the very beginning, why don't you talk about this all the time? It's not because I don't value it. It's because it's not most important. I love when things come full circle. (laughs) All right, we're going to end this thing. That's it for tonight. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Please, if you enjoyed this podcast, like and subscribe, rate and review. Five stars, please. Also, visit us on Sunday mornings here in Mandeville, Louisiana. Service time's 1015, Sunday mornings. And uh, our website is thefieldnola.com. You can find out all that information. Peace. Thanks, guys. Later. Season one is sponsored by Gospel Folk. They are the worship band of the Field Church in Manival, Louisiana. Um, you can see them every Sunday. Come worship with them at the Field Church at 10... 10, 15 a.m. if you're in the area. Um, I've been one of their pastors uh, since the beginning for the past three years, and it's been awesome to watch them grow. They write music straight from Scripture, uh, which is rare, but also it's creative, it's fun, and it's just great music to listen to. So go check them out on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, You can find them at Gospel Folk or their website, gospelfolkmusic.com, or anywhere that music is streamed.